All right, what's up, everybody? Good to see you this morning. Uh, before I do anything else, I want to look into the camera and say a big hello to all those that are watching online today. Come on, Heartland family, help me welcome them to church. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out today. Uh, tonight's the night for all of our dream teamers in the room. For those of you who don't know, the dream team are the people that serve uh, each weekend around here. Uh, over 400 of you that make a difference uh, with a group of people that are making a difference. I'm so grateful for you. Tonight, we're going to celebrate you, and it's all about you. Um, and if you haven't registered, you can still do it. Uh, there's the QR code right there. We want you to go on the heartlandchurch.com and uh, make sure you do that. And 6 o'clock, 90s night tonight. Uh, so if you want to wear a costume, a bunch of us are. If you don't, that's fine. Don't let that stop you from not coming. Uh, I would still want you to be here. Got food for you. Uh, got an incredible just night of laughter, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. So come hang out with us. And then Wednesday night is First Wednesday. Uh, if you remember, we got snowed out last First Wednesday. So uh, I'm excited about uh, Wednesday. Uh, that is our what we call our believers experience. We have communion. We have extended worship. And then uh, if you remember back in January... I talked about uh, being rooted, and so this coming Wednesday night, I'm going to start what we're calling Rooted in Doctrine, okay? And I'm going to talk to you about seven or eight over really the next several First Wednesdays, just kind of core doctrines of the Christian faith that I think you need to know. It'll be uh, pretty academic, uh, but very, very, very important. Uh, so come join us for First Wednesday. Uh, we always, our commitment in that service, we start at 7, and you are out no later than 8.30, sometimes a little earlier, but no later, because I know you got kids and schools and all that kind of stuff. So, all right, uh, today we're going to talk about what I think may be the most important relationship you might have in your life, and that is not your wife, uh, surprisingly, or your husband. Um, by the way, today uh, with us in this service have a group of people from a seminar called Creating Intimacy and Respect uh, with David and Amy Ensminger. Uh, they're all sitting back here. I want to welcome you guys to church today. So great to have you. You are working on your relationship, your marriage, uh, and I'm proud of you for diving in and going deep. I know this weekend has been a challenge uh, for you, but... I'm just believing that if you'll lean into it, uh, God will do some great things in your life. And I'm proud of you for being here. But it's not the relationship with your spouse. It's not a relationship with your friends. Shockingly enough, it's actually not a relationship with any part of the Godhead. I actually think the most re important relationship that you might form in your entire life uh, is the one with your Bible. Uh, and uh, today we're going to talk about that. We are in the middle of this series called Rooted in Rhythms. Uh, basically, I'm just talking to you about this idea of that I believe you need rhythms in your life, spiritually speaking, if you want to live a healthy Christian life. And uh, somewhat basic thoughts that I'm trying to help you with on a little bit of a deeper level. Uh, and I think these things get underestimated in people's lives. I don't think people practice them enough. So in week one, we talked about repentance. Remember, it's changing your mind. Uh, what that looks like. Last week, I took you away to the deep end of the pool. Some of you had a glazed over look uh, in your eyes as I talked to you about worship. 
uh, and we looked at the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Um, but I think this may be a really big deal today. I want to talk to you about your Bibles, uh, and I'll, I'll talk more about this in, this in a moment. There's a verse in Scripture that's really important to me. It's a verse in Isaiah uh, 41. This is what it says. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, you would know why uh, it's important, but I'll just tell you for just a moment. I remember going through a season in early 2008 uh, where I was feeling very defeated in my personal ministry. Uh, I, I had been, at that time, I had been a youth pastor about six or seven years, uh, and this is probably shocking to hear, but when I got into ministry, I thought I knew everything and uh, thought I had all the answers to all the problems uh, that everyone and anyone was facing, and we were just going to grow this incredible youth ministry, and God was going to do these amazing things because I knew everything. And I just knew, give me a few years, uh, I'm going to build it. I was highly motivated, still am highly motivated, but very motivated. And uh, I had read some books that had taught me that if, as a youth pastor, it would take me roughly five years to see the youth ministry that I sort of dreamed of. So that was, that was my timeline that I had kind of in my mind of what I'd given God. And, uh, and I, so I went to work. Uh, and we were through, if you know anything about our story, we were through our separation. Uh, on the other side, very healthy. My heart was strong, but I was feeling defeated. And, and the reason was because as I began to look back over the last several years of my ministry, I, f I felt like I had not done a good job. Uh, I, I had lost leaders. I had lost momentum. I felt like I had lost students. And at this particular time, as a youth pastor, our student ministry was probably the smallest it had ever been. And I told Kendra, I remember I came home one day and I told Kendra, I'm so discouraged. Uh, I, I've tried everything that I know to do. Nothing's working. And I remember I even made this statement to her. I said, maybe I'm just not really a leader that's worth following. And around that season, I was reading my Bible and I read this particular verse. This verse came up in my reading. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I remember that as I read it that day, it was like God spoke to me and said to me, you've been trying to do this on your own. Now I want you to watch what happens when I do it. And it was a significant verse in a significant moment that God used in a significant way to encourage me, to guide me, to get me back on track, and the truth is that since that time, God has actually used the Bible to speak to me in a number of times in my life where I have gone through seasons of all sorts of different things. But I have to tell you, the, the only reason that I was able to get encouraged is because I had created the discipline to cultivate a relationship with the Word of God. And because I have that relationship with the Word, it's often that God will use the word to speak to me in my life. He'll, he'll use the word to mark something, to imprint something on my heart or on my spirit that really challenges me or changes me or convicts me at a time that I need it most. And I'm just going to tell you today that I think that this rhythm of a relationship with the word of God will make the biggest difference in your life as a believer. And 
Everybody say amen to that. And the reason that happens is because it is the very word of God. It is God's spoken word to you. In the middle of 2020, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic, I did a series on the Bible uh, where I just taught about why you need a relationship with your Bible. And I did it for a few Sundays. We were actually still streaming. No one was here. It was just me. I was a televangelist. Uh, And I was teaching about the Bible as a foundation. And then on a first Wednesday, uh, I, I taught about Um, just, I mean, again, you were all gone. I did a message on how to study the Bible and, uh, it was really good. Um, but I don't know that a lot of you are watching. Uh, I don't, I don't really know. Um, and if you were, chances were you were eating a chicken sandwich, uh, and you know, not totally paying attention. Uh, although those of you watching right now, I'm sure you're completely locked in. And since half of you weren't even with us three years ago, uh, I just want to revisit this teaching for a couple of minutes today and just try to help you. Let me say it this way. If last Sunday was a very confusing or very deep message, today the cookies are on the bottom shelf for everybody here today in the room. This is probably the most practical message that I'll do the entire year. I want to read a verse to you. This is Colossians Chapter 3, it says, let the word of Christ, I want everybody to say this word with me, come on, say it, dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Frank, come up here for just a second. So this right here is a cup of hot water that they've got here. The team has helped me with this. I want to show you how most people view a relationship with their Bibles. How many people know that if I stick this tea bag into this water for just a moment, the water doesn't turn, right? Like, boom, you know? Now, if you looked really closely, what you would have seen is a little bit of tea went into the water when I dipped that, okay? In fact, let me just ask you this question. Is there tea in the water right now? Yes, there is. A few grains of tea made it through in in that instant. But this is how a lot of us treat our Bibles. We just very occasionally just sort of dip in, you know? Just, just a dip, little dip out of the Bible, you know, a little message, a little word, a little transformation, but we don't have a relationship with it. But what I would like to see in your life is that you have an everyday kind of relationship, an everyday kind of dip where you're dipping in constantly. And and how many people know that as you dip in constantly, that your life starts to change? That whenever you let the word of God dwell in you, that it begins to transform you from the inside out. Amen, everybody? Frank, just chug that real quick. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Now, my theory about reading the Bible is, is this, especially when it comes to people who are believers or people that are wanting to formulate a relationship with God, I think that most people want to do it. I really do. I think, I think for the most part, I don't have to sell you on the idea that it's an important thing that, that you need in your life. You realize that. 
But when I talk to people, my experience is most people don't, know, know, don't do it because they just don't know how to do it. They, they don't know where to start. You know, they, they, everybody starts in Genesis and then they get to Leviticus and they're done. You know, so... <laughs> And so a lot of people are confused. They don't know what, what they're reading. And so today, I, w- I just want to talk to you about this. And for some of you, you, you you've got this you know, down. Like You're just going to be like, you know, I'm going to take a break and just check out ESPN right now. You know, I, but for a lot of people in this room, I think what I'm going to do is help you for a few minutes about just forming a rhythmic relationship with your Bible. Uh, so if you're going to study the Bible and really let it impact you, then there are some things that you have to do, okay? So let's talk about these for a few minutes, all right? You got your message notes there. Here's the first thing that you gotta do. What I need for a Bible rhythm. Number one, you have to get a translation that you like. Let me explain this for just a moment, okay? And I'm trying to get very practical for people in this room that don't know this kind of stuff, okay? Uh, One of the most common questions that I get is, help me figure out a translation. I've gone online, I've looked. There's so many different types of Bibles. I don't even know where to start. Uh, and, and the reason that there are so many translations is because, you know, all the events in the Bible happened in another country. It didn't happen in, in English. So the Old Testament is in Hebrew language, and the Greeks transcribed a majority of the New Testament. And because of that, most, most of us in this room don't speak Greek. You know, most of you don't speak Hebrew. And so you need a translation. One of the very first translations into English that we have is the King James Version, uh, or the King James Translation. It was written in 1611. And so, of course, it reads like people spoke at that time. And honestly, and I don't know why this is, but there are some people in in some backgrounds that have revered it, that that version of the Bible, like God was from England or something, you know? (laughs) I know we can only be read out of that translation. That's funny to me because it didn't even happen in that translation. God's not from England, everybody. You don't have to pray with a thee or an art when you pray. And some people have been raised in a setting where it's like every time they prayed, oh God, Father, art thou like we comest to thee. You know, and you're like, you can be just fine with God, what's up? You know what I mean? Like, he responds. So, three different types of translations, and I'll just give this to you quickly. Uh, Don't let this confuse you, okay? The first type of translation is what's called the formal equivalency. Here are some examples. The King James Version, the New King James Version. Uh, So, this is if you want to be a little, you know, you still want to be English, but just newer. Uh, New American Standard, English Standard Version. These types of translations are what's called a word-for-word translation. All right, what that means is this. They went to the original manuscripts. Scholars who understood the languages got together and they put it into English and they did it as closely as possible, word for word, as they could. Now, there's a couple of problems with this. Number one is that grammar changes. We, we use words in English today differently than we did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Well, we're not using the same grammar that Hebrews and Greeks and well, you know, 2023, 20, that's a long time, you know, that, that's passed, okay? So that's one type of translation. Another type is what's called a functional uh, equivalency or a dynamic, depending on what you want to say. These are versions like the New Living Translation, the Good News, 
the NIV, probably uh, the most popular one. And this is what's called a thought-for-thought translation. And it's functional because it's a little bit easier. They translated the original text, but they didn't do it word for word. They did it thought for thought. They took a sentence and they made sure that the sentence was translated well. Now, typically on Sundays, uh, I teach out of the, the NIV, okay? The NIV or the NLT, the New Living Translation. This is actually my favorite translation of the Bible is the New Living Translation, Uh, The NIV is really interesting. A hundred scholars came together and worked on that particular translation. It's probably the most popular version of the Bible today. The third type, and I'll I'll talk more about all these in just a moment. The third type is what's called the paraphrase equivalency. And this is like the Living Bible or the Message Bible. And this particular translation is a paraphrase in modern language. Okay, so here they didn't even go back to the original text. They took the English Bible, and they translated it, and they tried to make it even easier. By the way, the guy who wrote the Living Bible wrote it so that his kids could understand the Bible better. And people know that that's way overachieving as a father. (laughs) The message translation. How many people have ever read from a message translation before, okay? It's, It's very popular. It's great for like just very everyday devotional reading. So it takes, a, it takes a passage and like it says, instead of saying, you know, I was glad when they said unto thee, let us go into the house of the Lord. The message says, you know, dude, let's go to church. Church is awesome. You know, like that's, that's kind of the translation. Okay, so let me, <laughs> let, me, let me show you an example of a verse in three different translations. Okay, so here is... This is 1 Corinthians 13. This is the love chapter in honor of all those that are here today. All right, so this is the King James. All right, 1611. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not bound. Feels like Shakespeare. You know what I'm saying up in here? So... How many people know, I didn't just get a whole lot from that just then? But some people read this and they're like, Father, I thank you that I'm suffereth long today. Help me not envieth, O God. Here it is in the NIV. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Many of you have seen that. You've read that. All right, here it is in the message. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut around. Love doesn't have a swelled head. So isn't that interesting? And and the question that people ask is, well, Dusty, what do you do? You know, uh, and so let me tell you. So if I'm doing a very intense Bible study, all right, I use a formal equivalency which would be the English Standard Version, okay? I want to get, if I want the most accurate translation possible, I'm going to go that route. But what I'm going to tell you is that's not most people. Most people are not doing a very deep dive into the words, okay? So, and there are, if there are some of you that do like to do that, uh, that's great, and welcome to the Bible Nerd Club, but this is a very small percentage of people. But if I'm reading for devotional reading, if I'm just doing my everyday reading, I'm going to use a functional translation. So my Bible is an NIV. 
Uh, but I love to read the, the New Living Translation as well. Uh, and, and if I'm wanting a secondary reading, so let's say I read a chapter and I don't understand something or something strikes me sort of weird, or I, I might go to the Message Bible just to kind of have a second idea where I'm just trying to get what it says, okay? Here, here's the bottom line. If you want to make it a rhythm, you have to get a translation for your goals and what works for you, okay? The second thing you need to know is you've got to get a study Bible. I'm going to tell you I'm an old school guy when it comes to this. I have a paper Bible and I almost exclusively read from a paper Bible in my rhythmic everyday reading. I don't do digital when it comes to my Bible. I need to be able to do this. You know what I'm saying? I need to be able to feel it in my hands. I need to be able to take notes and write things and highlight stuff in the margins. I want to have a paper Bible. This Bible right now that I'm reading, one day I will give it to, to one of my children. Uh, and they will have it, which, by the way, I think is really cool. I'm, I'm putting notes in here, and I'm thinking about my kids in the future. All right? So, so people say, well, Dusty, what is a study Bible? Uh, which one should I get? I'm going to tell you kind of my three or four favorite, okay? A study Bible, by the way, is, is where it has writing at the top, and then down in the margins, it has like commentary, or it has like descriptions, or just two sentences explaining the text to you, okay? So here are some types. I don't think this is in your notes, so if you want to take a picture, you can. Uh, but just some Bible study suggestions. The Life Application Study Bible is a great one uh, that I would recommend. I love the New Spirit-filled uh, Bible. I think it's a fantastic Bible. Uh, if you're into leadership, John Maxwell came out with the John Maxwell Bible. It has, like, you know, different just articles and stuff inside the Bible over... Uh, you know, leadership and different things like that's really great. And then, of course, A.O., the Telos Bible, uh, which we just, our own Carly Faulkner helped develop, uh, recently came out. We just gave, and have been giving them out to all of our students, over 200 of these we've given away. Uh, it's a fantastic Bible for young adults uh, and for students. We'd love for you to check it out. So the, you've got to get a study Bible, everybody. And then you must memorize it, the entire thing. No, I'm kidding, okay? You have to take time in your life to try to memorize Scripture. I want to read this verse to you. This is in Ephesians 6. It says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that on the day of evil, when it comes, you may be able to stand your ground. I, I wish that I could tell you that your Christian life is always going to be easy. But it's obviously not. And I think that you know that. I think that you know that evil comes knocking at your door. And you need to be on, on guard. And, and the scripture here in Ephesians 6 talks about a whole lot of different pieces of armor uh, that you have to defend yourself. And just about every single piece is defensive in nature. But it lists one weapon, only one, in Ephesians 6, 17. It says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the, come on everybody, say it with me, it is the Word of God. You're supposed to use your Bible as a weapon. Let me read it to you from the message translation. God's word, I love this, is an indispensable weapon. I'm probably not saying something that many of you don't know, but in Matthew 4, Jesus is tempted three times by the devil. And I'm sure that you know by now what was his defense when Satan came. Let's read it, Matthew 4. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Look at Jesus' response. He answered, it 
is written. Every time the enemy tried to speak and tempt and sabotage, Jesus came back with a verse. Every time. So you need to have some verses at your disposal. You need to have a little bit of an arsenal in your memory that's ready to go when the enemy tries to speak. Now, you don't have to have them all memorized. And I probably don't have as many memorized as I probably should. But there will be times in my life that a verse will come to me out of nowhere. Like it'll come into my head. It'll hit me when I need it the most. A couple years ago, Jaden was riding with me in the car. She was eight years old. We were riding. She said, Dad, I don't understand why some people don't believe in Jesus. But then they believe in some other God. Are they going to go to heaven too one day? How many people know that's a big question for an eight-year-old to ask? And I told her, I said, well, well, sweetheart, this is what the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. People know that's Bible. That just came up out of me. It spilled out of me. I want you to think about this for just a second. The Bible tells us that the enemy's weapons are arrows. He's just standing at a distance, and he's just sitting back there, pew, pew. You know, he's just, he's trying to target you. He's trying to pelt you. He's, he's got a distance weapon is what he's got. And I remember as, as I was reading this a few years ago, kind of studying this, I, I said, Lord, if the enemy has a long-distance weapon, then why don't you give us a long-distance weapon as well? Notice, though, that God doesn't give us a long-distance weapon. What does he give us? A close combat weapon. And that's because while the enemy's standing at a distance, you were never meant to sit back. You were always meant to charge forward. You're meant to take new ground. You're meant to be on the offensive. There is a verse for every season of your life that you're in right now. And God wants to help you. I mean, even when you go into the dentist, you know, you can just walk in. You can just say, crown him with many crowns. Oh, God. Like, (laughs) Pastor Dan up here right now. There's a verse for every moment in your life. And you need it, everybody. And you need to know it. All right, here's, here's the fourth one, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of sit on this for the rest of our time today. That if, you, if you're going to have a Bible rhythm, you have to find a routine for Bible study. Now, this is where most people get hung up. Most people get confused. Now, a couple years ago, when I did this on a first Wednesday, I taught a very in-depth uh, way to study the Bible. And so what I, I want to assume today, kind of on the other end of the spectrum, is that you're really just beginning the process of studying the Bible. What do you do? All right, if you, you can find it somewhere online, you know, it's a very hardcore way to study, but we're going to go real simple for just a second, okay? So I think I have four options there that I put in your notes, just some ideas. By the way, the fourth one's my favorite. I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh, the first thing you could do is just read it from beginning to end. Okay, you could just start from the top, go all the way to the end. Uh, and many people have done that in our church. They just started reading it. Uh, I've met people that, you know, really, like, when their faith, it's like they came alive. And they just couldn't get enough, and they just wanted it. And, and maybe that's you. And I, I want to just tell you, like, people can give you lots of things to do, 
But the Bible is a complete book beginning to end. It does tell a whole story. And you need to know the story of God. And there's nothing wrong with you beginning it and reading it all the way through. Uh, and when you do that, don't worry about trying to understand all of it. Just read it all uh, and see what happens. By the way, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So it, it's a very simple language, really. does not have the conceptual challenges of the Greek in the New Testament. So, so most of the Old Testament, until you get into the prophets, is really narrative. It's, it's just, it tells a story. It, it reads pretty easy, comparative to even the New Testament, I think. Uh, and yeah, there are parts that are a little confusing, but we're just not going to worry about all that, okay? And if you want to read from the beginning to the end, write in the margins of your Bible questions. If you didn't understand something, write it, you know? And what you'll find five years later is, oh, wow, look how much I've grown. That was a question that I had back then, but now I know the answer to that question. I didn't realize that I'd know it, okay? And just use highlighters, you know? Use a highlighter for a passage that speaks out to you. Use a different color for a passage that you find confusing or that you don't understand, all right? Another thing that some people do is they try a one-year Bible reading plan. And these, there are options for this all over the internet. Uh, just type in one-year Bible reading plan. There are Bibles themselves that are meant to be a one-year Bible where you read it. And, and, and a one-year Bible reading plan, uh, again, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get into the habit of reading our physical Bible every day. You know, if you could do it 15 minutes uh, or 25 minutes. Uh, and, and so when you do a Bible reading plan like this, you're going to get an Old Testament verse. You're going to get a New Testament verse. You're going to get a Psalm. You're going to get a proverb uh, every single day for 365 days. And again, if you're confused, don't, re- don't fret about it. You know, write out the questions with that highlighter, you know, in the different passages. Don't stop, you know, just keep going. Highlight things that you don't understand, all right? Here's C. Let's sit here for just a second, okay? The next thing you can do is to try reading and journaling by using what's called the SOAP method. Now, this is a very easy, simple Bible study method that you can start to apply to your reading every single day, okay? And there are a bunch of them. By the way, I've listed them in your notes, just several different methods for you to Google if you want to and find the one that works for you. Okay, but here, let's look at the SOAP method for just a second. What are we going to do? Well, the S stands for Scripture. So we're going to choose the Bible study passage, and you can do a chapter, you can do a section if you want, whatever it looks like. But once you figure out the section, you're going to start by trying to write out, like physically in your in your journal, you're going to write out scripture. It's different when you read it and when you write it. When I write it, I understand it in a different way when I actually, so you're going to write out verses in your journal in this Bible study method, okay? Like see yourself right now, writing it out, okay? Then the O stands for observation. In your journal, you're going to write out key observations that you're making from the text. You can look up words that you don't understand or you can use a Bible dictionary or a word study tool to help you, all right? Then you're going to get to the application. Here you're going to start to journal ways that whatever you're reading applies to you. So think about your life. Think about your situation. Ask yourself, what is God speaking to me? How does this passage encourage me to glorify God? How is it inspiring me based upon the season of life that I'm in right now? Like, write it down. This is what I felt God speaking to me today. And then the P is prayer. 
end your time with God every single time by just praying, Lord, thank you for your scripture today. Thank you for your word. Help it to come alive in my heart. Give me help with insights to everything that you're teaching me, okay? This is just a very simple Bible study method for you to use when you're studying. By the way, like I said, I put several in your notes there. There are tons of these. This is not the only one. It's just one of them. Now, let me stop for just a second. Let me say this. To, maybe you're in this room today and you've not done much of this. I want you, as you begin to read, to put more emphasis in your reading on the New Testament than the Old Testament. I think really the Old Testament should be the major thrust of your reading. Now, the Bible says that all scripture is useful, but in Colossians, Paul makes an interesting statement. This is in Colossians 1. By the way, if you never see a, a translation down here at the bottom, just assume, no, it's always in NIV. That's my standard. So if I don't put one, it's because it's in the NIV. This is what he says. I've become a servant by the commission God gave me, this is Paul talking, to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And then he says this phrase. He says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. In other words, Paul says this. I'm called to give you the mystery. What is the mystery? The mystery that he's speaking of is the gospel. It is the good news that Jesus has come. So the major thrust of Paul's ministry, who wrote 17 books of the New Testament, uh, and maybe even a little more. We're not totally sure on a couple. But the whole thrust of his ministry was to reveal the gospel and to reveal the revelation of the new age of grace that Christians were now entering into after Jesus had come and, and with this new covenant. All that to say this, the New Testament really becomes the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Talked to you this uh, last week about this, but so many of the things that you read in the Old Testament are symbolic and used to foretell what's going to happen in the New Testament. It's, it's quite crazy, honestly. Let me give you this last one. This is what I want to challenge our church to do uh, for a season if you want to get into the rhythm of reading, okay? And that's this. Read each book every day for 30 straight days. Don't freak out. Let me explain this to you for just a second. If you want to get really serious about learning God's word, I personally think this is one of the best ways to do it. And here's what I'd try, and this is what I mean by this. First of all, I would start in 1 John, okay? Very short book of the Bible. And I would read the entire book every day for 30 days. That's all I'm doing. For the whole month, I'm going to read 1 John. Read it today. Read it tomorrow. I'm going to read it the next day. Okay, so first day I read 1 John. Second day I read 1 John. You know, and, and, and what we forget are these, these are books, these are letters. They're, they're written to be read as such. And I think you need to learn to read the Bible with a flow, you know, where you understand the flow of what's happening. I think it'll take you about 20 minutes or so to read 1 John, okay? Here's what's going to happen. On the seventh day, you're going to be like, this is getting so old. I already read this. I'm reading the same thing. Okay, but that's the tough part. You're pushing through, and with repetition, what you're reading will start to stick. And what will happen is 
you'll start to actually remember stuff that's in it. You'll remember, if, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Well, where is that, chapter 1? On the left-hand page, in the right-hand column, about halfway down. You'll be able to visualize where things are. I don't know if you're like me. I'm a visual person. The reason I don't want to move to a different Bible is because I know where things are. I don't know where it is in your Bible, but I know where it is in my Bible. Do it for 30 days, okay? And you'll start to have this book in your mind. Now, at the beginning, here's what you're going to do while you're reading. You're going to take a three by five index card and you're going to write the theme of each chapter. And you're going to, every day that you read, you're going to look and remember the theme. So you're reading, you're looking at the theme. So the first day is going to be a little more intense because you've got to write the themes for the, whole, for the whole book. Okay? And do it every day for 30 days. Then, after you finish 1 John, go back to the book of John. Some of you are like, well, that's a whole lot longer of a book. Okay, well, here's what you're going to do. 21, 21 uh, chapters, you're going to break it down into seven. Three different sections. Seven chapters, seven chapters, seven chapters. So the first seven chapters of John, you're going to read it every day for 30 days. Okay? Doing the same thing. You got the index card, you're writing it out. Then... The next 30 days, you're going to read the next seven chapters of John. 30 days again. Then the next, the next section, the last section. So it's going to take you three months. And for three months, all you're going to do is read John. Let me tell you what's so amazing about this. Is you'll know where stuff is. As you start to read the book, you'll start to remember. Jesus and the vine. Where's that? That's in John 15. I am the good shepherd. Where's that? John 10. Lazarus? Oh, John 11. <laughs> Arrest of Jesus? John 18. Bread of life? John 6. Nicodemus? John 3. You're just going to know where things are. Now, the very first time I ever did this was with my mentor, Fred, who I've talked about many times over the years. He told me, I remember, he said, I want you to go home today. I want you to read the book of Philippians. I said, Okay. So I went home and I did. That day, I read the book of Philippians. I came in about three days later. I said, I read Philippians. He said, great. Why don't you go home and do it again? <laughs> this kept going for quite a while. But what started to happen is every time that I would read it, something would come alive. And then he asked me this question. I remember one day he said to me, why do you think I've been having you read Philippians so much? So what do you see is one of the key themes of Philippians. And I said, how to have joy in the midst of persecution. Oh, I see what you've been doing. It changed my life. Taught me that no matter what I go through in my life, I can count it pure joy. And that just because I'm in a season that's hard, I don't have to, to let the hard stuff define me. All you people working on your marriage right now, guess what? You can actually work on your marriage and have the joy of the Lord as your strength. Now, some people say, won't this, I, won't this take a long time? In theory, a lot less than you think. If you do it this way, it'll take you about two and a half years. But you will know the entire New Testament. You'll know it. See, here's the thing that I tell people. Daily devotions are great. I'm not telling you don't do that kind of stuff. 
but truthfully, you don't remember your daily devotions. You just don't. You don't remember what you read. You don't retain what you learned. Like it's a good thought to help you in that day, but it doesn't keep you over a long time. And what I'm trying to get you to see today is that you don't just need the word. You need the word hidden in your heart. Because when the word of God is hidden in your heart, what did he say? The prophet said, that I might not sin against God. So that's what I'm trying to help you with. I just want you to have a daily rhythm. What am I talking about? A daily rhythm every day of you having the word of God inside of you. So I'm just going to put you on the spot right now. I'm for the next 30 days. What is today? 26th. All right. So for the next 30 days, I'm committing here with a whole bunch of you who are willing. I'm going to read the book of 1 John every day for 30 days. Okay, how many of you would be willing to do that with me? Don't, don't raise your hand if you're not. I'm not judging you, okay? I'm looking around. No, I'm just kidding, all right? How many of you will do it? You'll read 1 John. Every, well, that's a lot of you, okay? So we won't even have to do a series on 1 John because you'll all know it, all right? It'll be great. We can just go to the next one <laughs> because you'll know 1 John. So for the next 30 days, we're going to read 1 John, and we're just going to try to get, here's the, what we're trying to do. We're trying to get a rhythm. Every day, every day, hiding God's word in my heart. Every day. If some of you read 1 John for 30 days, how many people know it would be probably the most Bible reading that you've done in years? That's the sad truth for many people. But I don't want it to be, make you sad. I want you to get reinvigorated about how to study. Is this help? Has this helped anybody today? Like, again. I told, this is like the most practical thing that I could do on a weekend. But I'm just Coach Dusty up here today. I'm trying to teach you some tools so that you can get God's word activated in your life. All right. Let's pray. Father, right now, I just want to uh, ask that the Spirit of God would synergize our church around their Bibles. Can I just take a second, Lord, and thank you for my Bible? Can I say thank you for the fact that I have a guide and that you loved me so much that you just didn't leave me hanging out there, but that you gave me your literal words that would help give me the tools for everyday living. So God, let this word come alive for somebody today who has felt just like frustrated or discouraged or like that they're not a good Christian or all the things that we often think whenever we're not living this rhythm out. Father, would you help our church to practice this and be rooted to see what happens when we put you first in this way. And I just want to encourage you all over this room today that I'm believing God's going to give you revelation. I'm believing he's going to speak to you. I believe that he's going to instruct you and help you and grow you. And that at just the right moment in your life, whenever you need a word the most, 1 John's going to come alive. And it's going to help you 
light unto your path like it's lamp unto your feet. Lord, help us. Say this with me right now. Say, Lord, help me fall in love with your word. Help me, Jesus. And we thank you for it today. I want to just pray this with nobody looking around today. Maybe you're in a season right now where you're discouraged. Just feel the Holy Spirit just leaning on me just to do this for just a moment. And I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front or anything like that, but maybe you're just in a season where you just need God to speak to you right now about a decision or about something that you're facing, a diagnosis, something that's happened in your life, and you just need the encouragement of the Holy Spirit right now. If that's you, will you just wave your hand so I know who I'm praying for right now? Hands shooting up all over the place. Just in a season where I need God to speak. I'm in a season where I need his voice. Probably about 50 or 60 of you today that are just kind of in a season like that. Just put your hands down. If that's you today, I just want you to put your hands over your heart. Father, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters. I know without a shadow of a doubt that you've got them. And we're asking right now that the revelation of the Holy Spirit would come to them. I break off discouragement off your life right now in the name of Jesus. I pray right now that the voice of the Holy Spirit would become so clear, so evident in this season that whatever life has thrown at you, that not only do you have the ability to face it, but you have the Holy Spirit empowerment that's coming upon you, that you would not have fear, that you would not have angst, but that God would wrap you up in his arms and tell you today, I've got you. Holy Spirit, let revelation come. Let wisdom come. Let comfort come. Let your peace come. Let your healing come. Let your miraculous power come. And touch every person here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen with me today. Come on and clap your hands all over the room. Stand on your feet with me today. We're going to kind of end with the way we started. We came in in worship. We're going to end in worship today. Tonight, 6 p.m., all of our Dream Teamers, I can't wait to celebrate you and hug you and say thanks. If you want to give today, uh, there's some different options, ways that you can give. We don't pass offering buckets here. I want to thank you for being faithful to the house of God in this area of your life. There are boxes in the hallways today. If you want to give that way, you can. Um, If you want to give online, you can. If you're new to our church, would you just let this service be a gift to you? Don't worry about that. I know there's a lot of stigmas about churches and money, and today I'd rather you not even worry about all that, okay? I want to say thank you. You propel us in so many ways. We're getting ready just a little uh, under a month away now from our Reveal Student Conference. And I hope that you know when hundreds of students come in here that this will not be something that we make money on. It'll be one of the greatest investments our church makes. And it'll be because of you. And so thank you for supporting the ministry of this church. I love you, Heartland. I bless you today. In Jesus' name, have a great rest of your day. Father, bless them. Be with their week. Be with their kids. We love you today. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 You're dismissed today. Come on, let's worship them out of here.
still stands great